0: Hey there, we're live from the NASDAQ Market Side on this Exploration Friday. The guys are getting ready behind me. In the meantime, here's what's coming up on the show.
1: FedEx is getting ready to deliver earnings next week. But the chart master says there's trouble lurking in the transports. He'll tell us why he's pressing sell. Plus, yep, that's what stocks did this week. And if you think the record rally is going to rage on dan nathan will tell you how you can profit from the party and later mike Coe will explain how he's betting on a breakout in one big bank for less than a buck it's time to risk less and make more the action begins now
0: when you start with the transport sitting in correction territory and underperforming the broader markets Trade tensions and fears of a global slowdown weighing on the group. Key players like American Airlines, J.B. Hunt, and UPS off double digits from their 52-week highs. And as FedEx gears up to report earnings next week, our chartmaster says there's even more trouble brewing. He's over at the platform to break it down. Carter.
2: You know, it's it's all things uh, cyclical. Down today, uh, industrials, materials, financials, uh, and transports semis. Anyway, let's look at the transports and then, of course, uh, zero in on FedEx. This is 2007. This is the 09 low, and this is where we are now. So you've got the the past decade. Let's put in some lines and put it in perspective. What we know is we have had major sell-offs. Obviously, in the 09 plunge, you get a 61% drop, you have a 30, you have a 31, and we endured a 26% drop this go-round, and We haven't made a new high, and that's going to be the issue. The relative performance. Another way to look at it, just how simple it is in terms of trend work, right? It's come down to trend and this one didn't quite get there and I think ultimately we have the prospects that we will. You can also, of course, see that there is a very well-defined head and shoulders formation in the transports. Now, relative performance. This is really the issue. Here is the past 10 years And what we know is, effectively, relative performance peaked almost five years ago. So yes, it's gone up, but it's not delivering alpha, never a particularly good thing. If I do this on a short-term basis, this is just over the past year, take a look, and again it's making two-year relative lows to the S&P, so up, but two-year lows. And what we really have, ultimately, is a head and shoulders bottom that failed. It's not good. Okay, FedEx. You have a perfect double bottom, literally. That's the Christmas low. Now think of what equities have done. Equities have surged and so did FedEx, but of course FedEx is back at its Christmas low. Now it's bounced a little bit and I think that's obvious and elemental, but the question is, is it really gonna carry much further? I think no I'll make a bet that uh... this is the beginning of yet more trouble
0: okay so thanks carter mike what's the trade
3: yeah i think when we take a look at FedEx, i mean obviously one of the questions we have to ask ourselves fundamentally because we're looking at a company that's trading at about ten times earnings what is the problem here why does the market see so much trouble ahead for fedex you know we have really two stories here one is international integration of tnt and how they're doing internationally and the other of course is the 800 pound gorilla in the room, Amazon. Uh, And this is not simply an issue because FedEx will point out, we were talking about this before, that this doesn't represent an enormous portion of their business. That's not the only consideration, whether they're going to earn those incremental dollars. The question is whether or not they're going to have a competitor in the form of Amazon and that obviously is very troubling. You combine that with the other headwinds that they're already facing and that is the reason that it's trading as cheaply, I think right now is as it is. The thing is, the options themselves, though, are not that cheap. So looking at earnings next week, the market's implying about a 5.4% move or so for FedEx. That's above its 3.8% average. So we're gonna use a structure going into earnings that we have talked about probably infrequently, but I think it can be a very good trade in some situations where you think that a run, and we've had a little run up here, might come to an end. Specifically, I was looking at the July 170, 175 call spread, and I wanna sell that call spread when I was looking at this earlier today, you could collect about five dollars for those 170 calls, buy the 175s against it for 310. So net, net, you're collecting about a dollar ninety of that five dollar wide spread. That's nearly forty percent of the distance between the strikes. The thing is that if the stock just sits here, you're going to start collecting some decay. It can rise marginally. You can still see some profits. And obviously, if it declines, then you're going to get to keep all of that money. One other point I would quickly make is that even if they do surprise to the upside. So let's say that they got maybe a 5% pop, call it eight, eight and a half bucks from here. That's gonna take it up to about 172 and a half. That's the break even. Even if it goes up more than that, hits that 175 strike, this isn't gonna go immediately to the full value of that $5. So it's not as if you're simply going to collect nearly two and risk three. It's probably more like an even money bet, but the
4: probability favors you. Yeah, I think the main point here is that Mike thinks the options are really expensive into this identifiable event, and I think the flip side of that is that Carter's charts point to lower lows, and if you really are convicted that if they miss, which they've already kind of given us some sense that the quarter that they just ended is not going that well, and then guide down enough, even at 10 times earnings, this stock has another 10% downside. Mike's trade gives you a very high probability of some success. It does not help you capture what would be maybe a 10% sort of move. So there are two. this is an options trade for what I think Think is a pretty interesting technical setup into a fundamental event um, that makes sense because implied volatility of the price of options is high. Yeah, this is not
3: an effort to go out and try to hit a home run in case they really disappoint. This is where we think that there could be at least some immediate ceiling and some weakness, and you're just trying to hit a single here.
2: And you know, it's funny, the 10 PE, that's always the seduction. Think Caterpillar is down f- almost 30%, still from its high, and it's had a PE of 10 all the way down, meaning that doesn't mean anything. The when value things, trap, of course. When things go bad, that doesn't mean that it gets the downgrade. That it gets the downgrade.
1: <laughs> right, exactly, exactly.
0: <laughs> All right, from shipping to staples, it's been a monster month for the sector. The XLP soaring nearly seven percent, led by names like Estee Lauder, Kraft Heinz, Campbell Soup, Costco, and Walmart, all up double digits in June. But as a group, helps push the markets to all time highs. Jim Cramer isn't sure a surge sta- surging staple sector is good news. Take a listen.
4: Now a lot of the stocks that are going up in this particular leg of the market are the ones that go up when we're about to go into a recession. The stocks that are leading this rally are the Procter & Gamble's, and Procter & Gamble does not go up when the economy is on fire.
0: What do you think of P&G?
4: Well, listen, that was a great discussion by Jim in favor this morning. I was watching that, and I was like, immediately started looking at Procter & Gamble. And this is a, you know, a stock that we know um, that investors have kind of just kind of just... I don't know. Just run into this thing, you know. It's up 10% over um, the last month alone, but it's up 21% of the year. It's up 58% from its uh, 2018 52-week lows here. And here is a stock that's trading at record high multiples. I mean, decades long. It's trading about 26 times trailing and about 23 times forward, you're getting that for, you know, okay, you want that 2.65% dividend yield, um, but you're not getting a whole heck of a lot of growth, okay? This is a company that's going to grow earnings, you know, mid-single digits. It's going to grow sales low-single digits. Um, And the thing that is, I just think, really interesting, let's go to the one-year chart really quickly. This thing is on a runaway breakout. Um, Well, it's actually a multi-year chart. You see that it was very range-bound for a while, volatile below that range, but since January, it's just busted out and gone straight up here. So, I look at the combination of What Jim just said, we have a weakening economy here, and if we don't have any real resolution to this trade situation, the back half of the year is not going to be great. In that scenario, you're going to have very cyclical names continue to go lower. But I don't believe that you have stocks like Consumer Staples that are up like this, anticipating whatever they're anticipating continue to go higher from here. So I think a name like Procter up so much in such a short period of time, it's kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. They're going to report earnings. Um, At the end of July, they have not set the date yet. Um, But to me, I think this is a really interesting situation. Implied volatility, unlike Mike's trade in FedEx, is really low. It's about 13.5 percent right here, looking out one month or so, and that's making directional long premium trades um, kind of attractive to me in a market that I think has the potential to be volatile. So I want to look out to August expiration, and I just want to buy a put spread, and I want to try to capture a move back towards that breakout level in the high 90s. So today. When the stock was trading um, at about $112.25, you could buy the August 197 half put spread, uh, paying $2 for that. So that breaks even down at $108.00. You can make up to $10.50 down to 97 dollars 5 Your max risk is that $2.00. Um, and so to me, I like the risk-reward. Risking two. I have two months to earn this out. I have an event in the name particularly, but I think I have the potential to grab some uh, broad market kind of volatility here. So I like the risk-reward of risking two to possibly make 10.5 if the stock's down 13% in the next two months. You like the trade? I do like the trade. I mean, consider how much you're spending, you know,
3: for this thing. You're, it's less than 2% of the current stock price. And the valuation, you said that, I mean, we are basically at 20-year highs in terms of valuation, and it's off the charts for the last 10. I mean, if you take a look at this, it's just incredible. And this is not a growth story, and yet it's priced as if it is. That doesn't really make any sense to me. You know, one can only speculate that this is essentially a combination of two elements related to low rates. You know, one of them is a chase for yield. The other arguably could be that, you know, they have a lot of maturities that are going to be rolling off on, the, on their fixed income side, their debt side. Maybe people think, oh, you know, low rates, they get to refinance a big portion of their balance sheet at low rates. Well, guess what, people? I mean, low rates isn't a good story in terms of even just keeping up uh, I and mean, growing. The important thing is that this right. phenomenon is
2: not specific to consumer staples, right. right. In every sector... Rails have done the best because they're defensive, right? Within REITs, I mean, Simon Property is the biggest one of all. It's terrible. What's the most defensive? Towers. American Towers surging. SBAC surging. You see it even in certain utilities. It's, but here's the thing. I don't see any difference in this chart, which I agree. Short, short it. Hershey, Mondelez, you could have picked any of those, right? Church and Dwight. But Procter Gamble maybe is the biggest. Is that why you picked it? Yeah,
4: I think it is the biggest. It's the largest component within the XLP. That's the Staples ETF. And to me, I just think it's a very, very crowded trade. And I and think it, that, again, that, it's a waste any, management. If there are stock-specific so. issues in this when they report next month, this stock will be down at 100 And like some that. of those crowds are both hedging
3: or exiting some of those positions. You talked about a lot of the REITs and some of these places. The people that own these things have been paring back those positions and hedging them.
0: All right. For everything Options Action, check out our website, optionsaction.cnbc.com. While you're there check out our super cool newsletter. What are you waiting for? Here's what's coming up next.
1: Lucky for you, Mike Coe has one big bank stock he's betting on for a big breakout. Plus, calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at OptionsAction. Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air. When Options Action returns,
0: Welcome back to Options Action. The biggest banks all passing their first round of stress tests moments ago. And check out here is the Bank of America grinding higher through June along with the rest of financials. And even though a rate cut looks inevitable in July, Mike Coe says now is the time to make a bet on banks. He's over at the plaza with a call to action. Mike.
3: Well, you know, I'm not sure if now is the time to make a bet on banks or if we found a decent way to make one if you're so inclined. Taking a look at why we're gonna trade a call spread in Bank of America. You know, we were just talking about this in the earlier segment. Valuation is very low, but a low valuation can be a two-edged sword because very low valuations can also be pointing to trouble ahead. So if you're inclined to make a bullish bet, you wanna try to find a way to do that while reducing the amount of risk that you take. And actually, we have an opportunity right now because options in the name are exceptionally cheap. Going into earnings, you know, typically this thing moves about 4%. It's implying a move of about 2.5%, That's basically a tell that options prices are lower than they normally would be. Fed cuts, I mean obviously this is one of the big headwinds people are always talking about. Low rates, low rate environment, bad for banks. I think there's other issues that we could potentially be concerned about, but obviously if you have very low valuation, some of the bad news is priced in and options are exceptionally cheap as we were just talking about. Now you have an opportunity to try to use those options and get long them to make a bet here in this case to the bullish side where you're not risking a great deal. Specifically, I was just looking out to August. You could buy the 29 calls for 80 cents. You could sell the 32 calls for 20 cents against it. Net, net you're spending 60 cents. Now that's 60 cents on a $3 wide spread. Normally we're looking when we buy debit spreads to spend maybe a quarter of the distance between the strikes. Here we're getting to do a little bit less than that. Another way to think about it of course is that you know, in this case, only about a couple percent of the current stock price. stock doesn't need to move that much for you to make some profits here. And of course, if this tell in the valuation and all of the bad news in the banks proves to be true, you're actually only risking a relatively small amount of stock price to make this bet. So I kind of feel that this is that kind of asymmetric trade that you're looking for in situations like this, where there obviously is some downside risk, but if you get a little bit of good news here, Maybe you get a pop to the upside and in this case, you know, it's up to thirty two bucks. It was trading about twenty eight sixty when I was looking at this. So that's a solid ten percent move that you have participation in while
4: only risking a relatively small amount.
0: All right, thanks for that, Mike. Dan, what do you think?
4: Uh, I don't like it. I mean, but I mean, it's fine. If You know, Mike said, maybe but maybe I'm just you, looking you, do for it. So- like,
0: do you not like what he's doing or do you not like the structure of the well, trade?
4: Well, the XLF closed flat on the week. You know, this was a great week for the S&P 500. It was record highs. And the XLF closed flat on the week, okay? So unless you know something about Bank America's Q2 earnings and their Q3 guidance that they're going to give, I just don't know why you want to be in this space whatsoever. So to me, the banks are selling every rally until something material happens – and I just don't know what that thing is. I don't dislike his trade. If you're bullish and you want to get that exposure, yeah. that's a good trade. 60 cents for a $3 wide near the money. Have a, have a ball. I mean,
2: right. I mean, I mean you, you said it. They, they, there's is an expression, old time, they don't act well. These, yeah. these are, are burdened securities right now. Their operating environment is tough at the capital markets level. And, yes, their credit quality is good. And some people say their balance sheet is better than they've ever been. That's always the case just before it all goes pear-shaped. Um, what is the catalyst to really get these on their
0: feet? What is a catalyst, Mike?
3: Well, one of the catalysts is obviously earnings. That's the one we've identified here. And obviously, if we have a situation on you know, the rate side where people suddenly change their tune, that's a possibility. But here's the thing, right? So is everyone going to run out and sell all their stocks? Maybe you own Procter & Gamble. We just heard some very good reasons not to own that. Some of the stocks have been performing the best recently, I would argue, are the riskiest places to keep your money right now. Some of them would seem to be safe, like Procter & Gamble. Some of them, it's hard to believe that they would be, like Beyond Meats. But if you're looking for a place where you might be inclined to risk a little that they could somehow catch fire, like everything else seems to have, financials are the weakest base, and that's why you would use options to do it, because you can, in this case, you're risking 2% of the current stock I mean, price.
2: Even in financials, the back to the the concept of people being defensive, just what Jim was talking about. Look at the insurance stocks. They are literally on fire because they're the most defensive aspect of the financial
0: And those bucket. charts look good in your view? And, well,
2: they're getting too good. They're getting extended too. And that's why okay. we have fragility everywhere. We have weak stocks that have the risk of getting weaker, Caterpillar, Schlumberger, and we have strong stocks that are too extended. What
4: you just said before is everything's great until it goes pear-shaped. If you look at Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley, two names that are perceived to be best in breed of investment banking, and they should be having a field day right now with all this uh, IPO stuff. And, you know, think about, and I get it, the net interest margins and the yield curve and all that stuff is challenging. These stocks are 25% off their 2018 post-crisis highs. And if you're telling me that that is not some sign, it's like warning bells screaming in silence about what's going on here, even at the S&P with all-time highs.
0: All right. Up next, check out the homebuilders hitting a fresh 52-week high this week. And that's great news for one of our traders. We'll tell you why. Plus, it's Friday, so you know what that means. Tweet us your burning questions at Options Action. If you're lucky, we will answer it on the air. We're live at the NASDAQ Market site in Times Square. Much more Options Action right after this. Welcome back to Options Action. It's time to take a look back at a couple of our open trades. Now, just last week, Dan said semis were about to short out.
2: There's your breakout, but it was never confirmed, meaning you weren't actually outperforming as a tech or TMT portfolio manager because picks here were still doing worse than other things one could have chosen within one's benchmark or index.
4: I'd look out to August expiration when the ETF was trading at 103 this afternoon. You could buy the August 190 put spread, paying uh, $2.50 for that.
0: The Semiconductor ETF up about 9% in June so far, so Dan, how do you manage this trade? Yeah,
4: so it's up 4% week over week, it's obviously outperformed, the S&P, we definitely said if there's anything on the trade front on a positive measure, this thing is going to rocket back. It did do that. Okay, well here's the thing, we know Micron's going to report next week, this is going to be really important, this is two weeks after Broadcom's negative pre-announcement, or negative guidance, excuse me, so let's see what they have, and let's see what they have into the G20, because if Micron and then the G20 stuff is disappointing, this stock is likely to be right back in the low 100s.
2: and, and, and the real thing is, everything was up in June, and semis adjusted for beta and risk underperformed the market. Mm. Not impressive. Stay short.
0: Yeah. Mike, what do you think?
2: Yeah.
3: No, I agree. I mean, we're taking a look, as we were earlier, at relative performance. I mean, we obviously saw the market performing very well yesterday, not quite as well today, but al- also very well. And some of these things are not performing well. They're doing exactly what they have been, which is acting terribly.
0: All right. Back in March, Mike and Carter said the home builders would hammer together a rally.
3: If you take a look at all of the stocks that are comprised in the XHB, which is the S&P Select Home Builders Index ETF, what you're going to see is that the valuation of that whole group is trading right now about 12 times forward earnings. That's a pretty cheap multiple. But the home builders themselves, which are a subset of that, are actually much, much cheaper. You could just look out at the June 38 calls. Those are essentially at the money. Those are about a buck and a half.
0: The XHB up nearly 8% since then, hitting a new 52-week high this week. So, Mike, your trade's expiring in the green. Yeah, so
3: this is uh, very interesting, of course, because, yeah, it hit a high. But when did it hit that high? I think Tuesday, and it hasn't performed well since. Uh, this was a nice double for us to have made. Maybe, hopefully, some of you who put this trade on managed to sell those when it hit those highs on Tuesday. But I wouldn't actually continue to take a bullish position in XHB. I think r- we're done. That's
2: right. And they started to decouple with utilities and REITs. So as, as 10 years sunk below 2, and you should get a little more lift, they've started to stall. The trade seems sort of over.
0: Okay. Up next, your tweets and the final call. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take your tweets. Our first viewer asks, is it the right time to buy SPY puts considering we made an all-time high? I feel, Mike, that this person answered their own question, but go ahead. What do you say?
3: I mean, would there be a better time than right after you're reaching an all-time high, after the market's looking a little bit extending, and we're seeing the kind of relative strength that we are, identifying the overpriced segments that we have, and noticing that options premiums are low, so the answer to your question
0: is yes. (laughs) Our next viewer asks, would you buy July calls on Microsoft when it's at a 52-week high with earnings in July, Dan.
4: Yeah, I really think it depends what you want to do here. If you're long the stock, it could make a lot of sense to do stock replacement to find your risk. Right now, the July 26, 137 calls with a stock at 137 are four bucks, so a little less than 3%. That's a good risk reward for a stock that's up 35% on the year, largest market cap company in the world, and up 15% from the June low. So to me, that does make sense.
0: All right, time for the final call. Carter.
2: Well, FedEx, we think, has risk. I will be there.
0: <laughs> Mike.
4: Sell call spreads in FedEx and maybe buy some spy puts. Hmm. Dan. Yeah, Procter, Crowded Trade. Uh, The puts are pretty cheap. heading into earnings next month, so I like August put spreads Procter.
0: That does the press. Stay back here next Friday at 530. Meantime, Mad Money starts right now.